Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Good morning. It's great to uh, see everyone gathered here uh, today for us to be together and share um, together in stories of baptism. I know from Leland, Newburn, just a lot of the stories that we uh, hear. One of the things for me, just this, this whole um, end of last year, beginning this year, uh, has just been, um, you know, and you just hear all these stories and it just, it's, sometimes it's hard to believe that this is still happening and people still are giving of themselves and doing things uh, that are meaningful to who we're becoming as a church and to what God is doing uh, in the world. And it's just felt, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of nostalgic or um, more reflective uh, this year for, for a lot of reasons. So I'm just really, really, um, really thankful and really grateful. We are, we are starting this year and we're talking about uh, picking our words. And if, if you've not been around uh, Port City uh, for, for very long, we've been doing this for 16 uh, plus years. Uh, we started to decide we're not going to make promises we're going to be better people, but rather we're going to pick words and use them as a lens through which we can see uh, what is happening um, in our lives. So as so I began, I want to just kind of think about this uh, a little bit because um, as we, as we live, if we think about what it means to be made in God's image, I want us to consider the kind of person that we are going to become. And at some level, um, we have to understand what it is that's happening to us. And so for a lot of us, we are, um, as, as we grow um, into who we're becoming, um, we get a little hard and a little edgy. Anybody like that? And uh, you need some things that sort of begin to reshape or reform you so that maybe some of the edges, you like an egg, um, but you get the idea the edges are sort of knocked off of, of who you are. And, and all that happens in between these places until eventually we end up sort of becoming more reflective, more fully reflective of the image in which we have been created to Bear and, and this process is the process of formation. And a lot of us just end up sort of haphazardly becoming something. And what we've said last week, if you weren't here, we're, we're using this month as a sketch month because I don't think it's just enough to try and figure out like, um, you know, oh, I know exactly how I'm going to do this year. I know exactly what my word's going to be. I know exactly how this is going to work. I think we, we long for that. We want that, but it doesn't work that way. And um, there's a lot of things that we see very limitedly, very, you know, the, the, the scriptures described as we see, but a shadow. And then when we look at that long enough, we begin to see more and more of the things that we can only first see a shadow of what it is. So we need some space and some time and some permission, as we talked about last week, to kind of see and let this process unfold. And the reason I pick a word is because it gives me a sense of focus, a lens through which I can actually watch this occur in my life. I think I mentioned last year, I'm gonna talk about this more uh, in week four, but um, this is my 17th word. And there are very few things that I have uh, in my life that I can look and see what has happened in my life over time um, that compares to the list of words that I've been using for the last uh, 16, almost 17 years. 
And so that's what I want us to talk about um, today. The, the, one of the major distinctives, though, about my one word, just to kind of continue to, to help you understand this, is that it, rather than focusing on your behaviors, which is how most of us approach change, it really forces you to pay attention to your character. If you can learn how to live in a such way that your behaviors, the way you live your life actually comes out of who you are, you're going to begin to experience and find the freedom that we all long for. And part of what we mentioned last week when we talked about this, there's a couple of assumptions that I want to make. The first idea is that what we live our life with is the single most shaping influence in your life. And if you weren't here, you I would encourage you to go back and listen and, or watch. But whatever it is that you dwell with over time is going to be the most shaping influence. It's going to probably end up being the image that you end up bearing. And when we talked about this, right, if you live with fear or if you live with anxiety or you live with this sense of the world is coming apart and you're only one mistake away or you live with this sense of chronic unworthiness or you live with this sense of having to prove yourself all the time, it's going to shape you into the image of the person that you eventually become. Something is forming you. And that what we believe and what I believe, and we put this up there, and I think this is really important for us to consider, is that life with God this idea that we would live with him, we would dwell in a relationship with him, is the context from which you will become yourself. If, if I'm correct in some of these assumptions, if you've been made by God and for God, if you're made to bear his image, then, then the way in which you become that kind of person isn't because you read out of the Bible nine principles that you need to apply to your life and then apply them. It's not how it's going to happen. It's going to happen as you learn how to dwell and remain and live your life with God. And that's why we talk about our mission here. It's not to convince people that we're right. It's to help people walk with God. Because we believe that when you walk with God, you will eventually experience life with God. The thing that you walk with is likely to be what you live with. And this is what we're talking about. And so this is how we get into this. So the question I think really we have to start thinking about, this is what I want us to spend some time on today is what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And why does it matter? Like, I don't know if you've ever given this much thought because it's a beautiful thing to consider that you're made in the image of God depending on what you think the image of God is. If God is old and crusty and grandfatherly and mean, then like being in his image is not so cool. But we have this picture. We have to sort of consider what it is that we think about when it, what it means to be made in the image of God. And a lot of us, when we start to think about this, we almost immediately start to think about what does it mean to be a better person? Like, I want to be a better person. It's interesting. I've been doing this for a long time. And I've, I, you know, people make fun of picking words. Now it's kind of a cool thing, I think, on, on TikTok and such. And, um, you know, and I'm like, look, it's, it's fine. But um, <clears throat> the reason, uh, it's, it, I've been doing this a long time, and, and very few people, whenever they're picking words, they very, very few people pick words that are negative. No one says, jerk is my word. Or mean is my word. They always pick words that have some kind of inclination or movement towards what it might be like if I were a better person in this world. Now, why do you think people would just naturally want to be better and not worse? Because sometimes it's more fun to be worse. The reason is because there's something in us that just recognizes that there is a thing, a, a propensity, a, a, something that's innate that we long to reflect or represent. I think this is the fingerprints 
of God's image that's stamped on every human being. And so I want for us to expand our understanding of what it means to be made in the image of God and expand maybe your view as you're considering what word and what is gonna form and shape you over the next 12, 11 and a half months. And uh, last week I reminded us I want us to be really curious about the future. Really curious about the future. Right, there's a big difference between wondering what in the world's gonna happen next and wondering what might you add to the world around you. Those are two very different questions. To be curious about what the future could be like. And then to recognize that there's a sense of reverence that who you are becoming actually does matter. The fact that you would be more inclined and shaped into some way of life that reflects this thing that we're pursuing. By the way, this is sort of God's image, which is, I believe, encapsulated in this idea of, of who he is, his love. And we'll talk more about that later. But, but that we, we, we have to have a way to see this and understand that it matters in who you're becoming. It matters to the work that you do, it matters to the people around you, it matters to the way that you live in your homes, it matters the way you live in your friendships, it, it matters. And so this is where I want for us to, to move. It's interesting, um, there's a couple of passages I wanna look at. One is found in 2 Corinthians 3. And um, last week we talked about Moses, and this is more about Moses. But uh, Paul is writing a letter answering some questions about the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And he talks about these two ministries, the ministry of the law that was written on stone tablets and then the ministry of the spirit. That's how he phrases this. So it's these two things, the ministry of the law and the ministry of the spirit. There's this way in which we see and, and um, legislate and create this list of things that we're to do and then try to comply with those things. And there's another way which we just live life dwelling with. And that, that really is the picture. And... Um, it talks about this ministry of the law, this ministry that's carved out in stone leads to death, but the ministry of the Spirit leads to life. So it's these two sort of, and we could spend you know, three weeks, in fact, we probably are uh, later on this year talking about this. But one of the things that's really interesting, he says that basically, um, you're gonna read this idea that there's a veil over Moses' face. That's, that's the imagery that's used in the verse we're gonna read. And what this is all about is access. It's all about us being able to see and to enter in and to have access, to actually have the opportunity to live and to dwell with God, to remain with him. That, that's the, the point. So here's what it says in uh, verse 17 uh, of chapter three of 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is just kind of cool to stop and reflect about because this isn't about something that you attain. It's a place where you dwell. Where God's spirit is, that's the place of freedom. Not when some circumstance works out the way you want it to, there's freedom. It's wherever God's spirit is, wherever we dwell and remain with him, there's freedom. And so then he says this, and we, and we all, all of us, who with unveiled faces, this is this idea that we, we can see him. We can enter in. We, with unveiled faces, we're not, we don't have to cover up. We don't have to conceal ourselves. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to be better than we are. We just show up. And this is what the gospel has made available to us. This is what, this is what the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has done for us. That there was a final sacrifice that allows us to just show up in this way. But then he says this. 
With unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. And we, we, we all, uh, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. How? With increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, we read this and it sounds very biblical, doesn't it? You read the Bible and go, that sounds biblical. It sounds very biblical to be, to, to contemplate the Lord's glory and then to be transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image. And we usually just chalk that away in some kind of spiritual thing. But there's actually a really important instruction in here. Did anybody catch it? We talk about sketch month. Sketching is about trying to see what it is that you see. If you can put that verse back up there again, I want you to look at this. It says that when we with unveiled faces, what is it that we do? We can't thank you very much. We contemplate. We think. We look. We wonder. We see the Lord's glory. Oh, we just contemplate the Lord's glory. Have you ever just thought about what you believe and what you think about God? But that's the invitation. Because what he, what he, what he, what's, what's being seen here is that this is a progression. You don't see this and then go back and execute this. I want to try to explain this in a way that, that helps us. But what you have to understand that, that what God has fundamentally done, and this is, this is just the way every relationship works. Relationships, are they always operate by revelation. They always operate by the sense that you know something today that you hope will become something later on, but you don't know that. You have to walk with, and you have to pursue with, and you have to live with, you have to dwell with. And then you realize that, oh my gosh, I have seen more than I thought than I could when I started this relationship. I've been married almost 30 years. I did not know everything I knew or know about Julie today. I did not know all those things then. And she didn't know all the things about me that she, she probably wouldn't have signed up for it if she did, right? Because things are revealed. You understand this, they're revealed. They come to us as we walk. And this is exactly, he says, we, you wanna contemplate God's character, his glory, his essence. What does it mean that God is love? What does it mean? What does it mean for you to bear his image? This idea of, of revelation, this idea, this is how we are formed. And, and formation is a process. It, you, there is, it's not something that you execute. It's not something that you, that you get done. It's a process that you have to go through. And it involves all of the things that happen to you. Nothing that happens to you is outside of this formative process. God in his goodness takes all the things, the hard things, the most difficult things, and he causes them to be useful to shaping you into the person that he's created you to become, to more closely representative of his image. And we just keep thinking that hard things, tough seasons, are things for us to get out of. But they're things that are in, incredibly formative in who we become. You talk to almost anybody who's had a measure of depth in their faith every time, they will usually tell you some part of their story where they had an obstacle or a train wreck or they thought they weren't gonna make it. And it's in those places that we are deepened in our understanding and our dependency upon him. And we need, we need a way to contemplate, to see this, so we don't give up, so we don't lose heart. All this is the language of the Bible. 
And the second thing is this process is relational. It's relational. Um, there, I, and I've, been, I've been trying to figure out how to explain this for about 15 years, that, that, that we, we, we Western productivity addicted, cultural sort of savvy people do not have a real good category for this. Though we all understand how relationships form us, we don't have a real category to really embrace is that revelation, that process that we understand is relational. And this is, how, this is why life with God is so important. Your formative, your formation, your becoming how he's created you to be is going to happen inside of your relationship with him. This is why we walk with him and why we work hard to make sure that we talk about this. Here's how this is written for us. Again, we see this in um, Colossians. I'm just gonna read this. Because this is really interesting. Um, Colossians, and, and there's a list of things in Colossians 3. Uh, if you want a free list, you can go um, look at it. And he basically gives us a list of things that um, we used to do. And he's just things like this. Um, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, um, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, greed. We leave everybody out. And um, then he says this in verse 9. He says, do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. I mean, you just see this language everywhere that there's something that's happening in us that is reshaping us. And then he goes on and he says, in this place, when we are becoming like this, and, it, and he, this is the next verse, verse 11, that here there is no Gentile or Jew, uncircumcised or, circum, uh, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and he is in all. And the reason this is so important, because this is where you have to start saying, what is this? People say, you know, there's a, there's a whole slogan, I've seen this everywhere, that love is love. That is not true. God is love, and that's very different. You and I have to contemplate the Lord's glory. Otherwise, you're just gonna create stuff to say, can't we all get along? The vision of us becoming to, to bear the image of God isn't a mass of humanity that gets along. It's a people of God who belong to him and who are with increasing measure reflecting who he is and how he is. This is why it says this, this, he says we have to take the old self and put it aside with its old practices. The way of life that you and I are accustomed to has to be put aside to embrace something else, to see something else, to contemplate something else. So what I want us to do in kind of our, our as we start to, to wrap this, I wanna give you a, a picture of this in just a minute. But, but I thought about this and just sort of, as I wrote this down, these sort of confessions in there, um, I just sat down and I wrote, I am created in the image of God. I am created in the image of God. I am created in the image of God. And this feels pretty good, just to stop and to consider that I am created in the image of God. And then I began to think, for what? Is it just to make me feel better about myself and I feel kind of bad about myself? And I say, oh, I'm made in the image of God. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. It actually, you have to keep adding to this. I am made in the image of God in order to bear the image of God, to reflect the image of God. That somehow my life and who I am and who I'm becoming comes to bear on the world around me. Who I am has impact and it shapes the relationships that I live in. I know a lot of us wanna believe that we are only victims 
what is happening to us. But that is not the case of being created in the image of God, that when we are created in the image of God, we now contribute and cooperate in ways that are to be redemptive in the world around us. And we keep adding to this. So years ago, and this, this is what I, I was, and I've been doing this for, for years, but uh, obviously uh, this weekend's a big weekend. It's MLK weekend and honors uh, the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. And over my last uh, 10 years, I've taken this weekend, this, this season, um, seriously, it's actually added to a lot of the conversations that I think the church, uh, give me a lot of vision for how the church can really be uh, helpful in um, uh, areas of racial re- reconciliation in, in places like this. Because even this passage, right, that there is no Jew or Gentile uncircumcised, these are, these are clearly things that the world has created that divide people. And he says that it is in Christ that these things are going to be redeemed. It's the only way. So I think the church has a unique role in here. But part of what I have done, and I, I usually spend some time um, reading uh, some of his speeches, um, some of his obscure speeches, um, to try and understand, I mean, his, his pursuit of non, Martin Luther King's pursuit of nonviolence in the face of, of just Unimag- I mean, my, my brain can hardly even imagine what he went through. And when they would march and water hoses and do- all the things, it's just, it's just hard for me to even get that around my head. So I just try to enter into that place. And the fact that he was so committed to nonviolence is, and it looks just like Jesus. I mean, in profound ways. So I take this seriously. So this past week I was reading, um, part of my pursuit of my word is to, um, I'm reading through the Psalms uh, because it has my, 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 um, my word, the direction I have has something to do with narrative or story or lyrics or poetry. It could be because I'm reading Bono's book and that could be a messing up my brain. Um, man, you two is so good. And um, so, but, but, but I'm, so I'm reading the Psalms is this entrance and I was reading through and what I've noticed over and over again is this emphasis on justice and righteousness. On justice and righteousness. And seeing God's glory. And so uh, on Friday, I was uh, kind of going through and I was actually stuck on my message and I was tired of working on it. So I went back and I um, found um, Martin Luther King's um, I've seen, I've been to the mountaintop speech. If you, if you, if you haven't read this, or heard, uh, you can actually listen to it. This is the night before he was assassinated. And at the end, he, he says, he's talking about justice. And he, at the end, he says, he says, I want to live a long life, but longevity isn't my concern. I don't know what happens. I only want to do God's will. He says, because I've been to the mountaintop. I have seen the glory of the Lord. And he saw something that compelled him to offer himself. And, and as I, so I thought about this, and I, the reason I say this, because it, it it, it really challenges me that my view of what I want God's image to be in my life is to make my life work better than it does. I want for God's image to look like my financial situation is woo. I want God's image to look like my marriage is woo. I want God's image to look like my kids are perfect. My, I want God's image to look like those things. Remember last week I said, if we knew what it was gonna be like, we might not be willing to offer what's required of us. But once you get in and you see things that you can't unsee, that process and who you're becoming begins to shape all the other things that you do. 
And we need to see some things that compel us to give our lives away. Freedom isn't found when you get this thing or that thing or when your life works like this or this circumstance works out like that. Freedom is wherever God's spirit is. The thing that you're looking for is in the place where you learn how to dwell and to live with God. This, this is what I mean. So I wrote these, these, this statement down in my journal. I probably, and part of the reason I love sketch month is because I'm, I'm never afraid to just sketch something out, just write it down. Because I just hope one day I might begin to understand what it is that I wrote down. So years ago, I wrote down these two phrases. And the first phrase was, that we, that my job as being made in the image of God to bear the image of God is that that was it. I'm to bear the integrity of his image. It was the first thing I wrote down, the integrity of his image. And what I mean is I just thought that I'm gonna, I wanna reflect him well. I wanna represent his heart well. And so that was always a big part of how I approached things. There was a lot of things in my list that gave me shape to that. And part of what I was writing is I was thinking about justice and, and righteousness and these other things is that I want, this was my prayer in my journal, that I want for, let me write, write, write it right here. With the things that are important to you, God, the things that reflect, reflect your character, become mine. It would just become mine. And so I want, to, I want to represent him well, which means I have to contemplate what all that means in my life. What does it mean that God is the, the, the perfection, the essence of, of love, of everything that human beings long for and desire? What does it mean? What does it mean for me and the way I pursue all the desires some of them are really pure and they come from a place that honors God and others of them are purely just base. It's just what I want when I want it. You ever feel like that? How do you wrestle that? How do you hold to this? What I realized, and a lot of us, we, we think that, that somehow, you know, it's like the what would Jesus do, which is, which is a great strategy. It's like, okay, Jesus will be nice, so I'm gonna be nice. What's wrong with you? I'm nice all the time and I'm tired of being nice. Or I'm angry all the time and I really want to be angry, right? And at some point, what has to happen? You have to become the kind of person that isn't like that all the time or that is like that all the time. Something has to happen in us. This is where the work gets done. It's not about applying a principle that you've learned to your life and hoping it works out. I had a friend of mine growing up. He was about six, five years older than me. He was in college. I was still in high school. He had the coolest car. This is in the 80s. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand the context. And he had in, in 1983, 84, 85, 86, you wanted to drive a mid-70s Camaro. And not, see, some of you are already feeling it. And not just a mid-70s Camaro. It was like the one that you had like traction bars underneath, Krager mags on. I remember this, it was his Camaro. It was white. It was so cool. And he had a killer stereo in it. And the coolest thing about it is he had an Uga horn out of a truck. 
So we would be driving, I go, Ooga! So I'm like 17, he's like 21, and he was a, he was a really good mentor of mine. And, but we, we thought we were the coolest people on the planet. We were listening to the music. And one of the things that he did, we just hung out all the time. I think I've told this before, but Donnie would sit in his car and he would turn the stir- This is how he turned the stir up every time. He would hold his hand like this. He would go. He just turned it up so cool. I mean, we were just like this. He's like. Whoo. And you're just like, that is so cool. And you know what happened after hanging out with him over time? I get in my car. I had a Chevette, by the way. To imitate someone isn't to calculate what they do and then try to emulate it. It's to be with someone so much that what they do becomes what you do. Does that make sense? To reflect the integrity of God's image means that you you just will not do it without seeking him and pursuing him and looking to understand. The thing that makes me crazy, I gotta stop, about what has happened in a lot of believers is we read the Bible the way that we have always read it. So all we do is read into what we already think. And we miss the revealing part of what God is showing us to contemplate the Lord's glory, which if you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 and you think you've got that figured out, your view of God is way too small. To contemplate the Lord's glory. Why? So that we are renewed into that image with ever increasing representation. Just the first thing to reflect the integrity of God's image. Now, so what? Why does that matter? Here's why I used to think it matters because if I reflect God's image, I'm going to be moral superior to everybody else. You ever felt like that? <laughs> And what I began to realize, the second thing I wrote down in my journal was it was to bear the integrity of his influence. I'm sorry, the, the integrity of his image and the influence of his love. That to bring the image of God to bear on the world. And Jesus just talked about this all the time. Doesn't look like being moral, morally superior to everyone else else, but rather it looks like others-oriented, self-sacrificing love. What keeps us from this? Two things. I think that we often have a low view of ourselves. This is your view of yourself. And we have a low view of God. We don't really know what we see. So I just drew this out in my journal. I thought we have a low view of ourselves Low view of God, high view of ourselves, high view of God. And you begin to look at these quadrants. Some of you have a low view of God. And you have a low view of yourself and your life is just empty. It's just, it's just despair. It's futility. You can't, you don't really believe that God would do anything. You don't believe you're worth God doing anything. So you just live in this sort of space. Some of you have a low view of God and you have a really high view of yourself, right? You're just a punk, Just kidding, you might not be. But it leads us to this sense of fierce independence. 
and arrogance, which, which, which arrogance isn't always being a punk. Sometimes arrogance masks itself in a lot of ways that keep us from trusting God. Because we don't, see, we don't have a high view of him. And again, this is a scale. So you can, you can have an increasing view of God and still fall in this, this in somewhere in this, this is the trajectory of it. You can have a low view of God, a low view of yourself and still be over here in this category. Some of you have a really, really high view of God and a really low view of yourself and you are just ravaged by guilt. You never feel like what you do is enough. There are whole theological systems built on this horribly low view of humans of humanity, and it's really high view of God. And I began to think about this because it's bothered me. But what if you have a high view of God and a high view of yourself? You know what it might mean? If this is empty, could this be full? And if you learned how to see God and to see yourself in a way that you are free to give yourself, how might that look like the image that we've been created to bear? So here's your homework. In the process of picking your word, um, that makes sense, right? I want you to identify the kind of person you want to become. Identify the characteristics. What kind of person, would, what would it look like for you to, to really see? And to, you know, Is it integrity? Is it kind? Is it more positive? I mean, get, get just a list. Sketch it out. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be wrong. At least not yet. But then number two, and I don't, I could be wrong. But in my own life, I realize that I don't do this enough. But to actually identify the characteristics of the God in whose image you have been created to bear. Just to contemplate the Lord's glory. And if you want, you can use that phrase if you want to, but you can just say contemplate his character, contemplate who you believe him to be. Contemplate who he has revealed himself to you through his scriptures. But I mean, get a list. To get a list. Because when this list, who you believe God to be, begins to shape this list, I think we're going to find ourselves in a really beautiful place see and experience God's work in our lives as we learn to contemplate the Lord's glory as we are being renewed and remade into the image of the one who we've been made for. Father, would you help us? We see the fullness of your glory in the life and the ministry, the teaching, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. We could start there. God, we see so much of your character in what you have made. 
We see so much of your beauty. Father, would we contemplate your glory? And in doing so, doing so, would that become a shaping force? Would it become influential as we consider the kind of person that we want hope to become, that the person that we hope to become would represent the integrity of your image and out of that, the influence of your love. Father, I ask that you would help us as a, as a body, as a congregation, to enter into this process together, to share this process together. That we might see in one another and share what we see in you. And Father, out of that, we would get more and more and more clarity that the formation of our lives, our hearts, and our souls, Father, would just be seen over the course of the next few months, over the course of this year. So thank you. I lift all the same of your son, Jesus, who is our king. Amen. Amen.